Almost 20 years ago, a small community of faith had a big dream. They imagined relocating their community into the downtown core of the city where they found themselves. They were haunted by a question that if their church suddenly disappeared, no one would even notice. And so they had a dream to put themselves in proximity to people and especially people in need and on the margins. They wanted to learn the ways of compassion and justice, to learn the ways of Jesus, and to become the kind of people that lived out the way of Jesus instead of just talking about what living out the way of Jesus ought to look like through their gatherings and groups and gatherings and groups. There was just one problem. That was the $3 million price tag that stood in the way of that dream to purchase and renovate and expand on the facility that they'd just acquired. And so this fledgling community believed that they could probably get about a half million of that through selling their existing property. But the rest of the two and a half million, they would have to kind of figure out for themselves. And in the spring of 2003, this small community of people represented at the end of the day by 101 commitment cards pledged over a three-year commitment to fill that $2.5 million gap in what was, I believe, the largest per donor, per capita, capital campaign over a three-year period that I have ever come across. And I share that story from our church's history in what it took to kind of found the Southridge or the Southridge era of our community to illustrate uh, something that's happened a number of times through our history, not just financially, but including financially, where our people personally and together galvanized around a giving spirit. And that capital campaign of 2003 probably represents one of the highlight eras of our church where we galvanized together around a giving spirit and in doing so found ourselves kind of at our best. And so in this month where we're kind of in a season of reopening and replanting and kind of relaunching our church community coming out of the pandemic, wanting to rally people around reclaiming what it means to personally and together be at our best, we wanted to take at least one week to kind of stare in the face of what it would look like for us to reconvene around a giving spirit once again. You know, the, the reason I think a, a giving spirit is so compelling is because of the way a giving spirit exudes the very heart and essence of God himself. You think about the most famous verse in the Bible in John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he gave his one and only son, core to the love that is kind of inherent in the character and heart of God is this giving spirit, a love that gave and gives to us. And of course, in the person of Jesus, who embodied all that was God in human form, we saw that giving spirit lived out as it was recorded in the Bible. You think about in Philippians chapter two, where it says, 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, going on to describe Jesus as an others-oriented, sacrificially servant-minded giver of his life to other people, that same mindset then encouraged for those who would aspire to follow him. Following him being not talking about how he lived, but as we learned last week, actively apprenticing under him, learning of him in order to live like him. To follow Jesus is to adopt a giving spirit. Especially when you consider that the whole reason or the whole way we're able to follow Jesus is because of his giving spirit. In Ephesians 2, it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The word grace literally means gift and the opportunity to follow Jesus, to be forgiven and to allow Jesus to be our leader and our life source, transforming us from the inside out to become more like him. That whole opportunity is made possible, not through anything that we could earn or deserve. It is a gift from the giver himself, which is why it shouldn't surprise us that this faith community of followers known as the church would be intended by Jesus to be built on a giving spirit as well. There's a verse in uh, Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus says to Peter, he says, on this rock, meaning on this Peter, the name Peter means rock, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This verse at a technical level is actually a, a, a significant theological moment in the movement of Jesus' work in the world. Uh, and it's over history had some debate. Uh, Roman Catholics see this as an opportunity where in response to his faith profession in Jesus, Jesus empowers Peter with his very spiritual authority. And that theological underpinning in uh, Catholicism is called apostolic succession. It means that Jesus empowered specifically Peter as an individual with his authority for Peter to then empower someone else with Jesus' authority and so on and so on in a way that's created the history and the trajectory of the modern day Pope. Protestants look at this a little bit differently. They do understand that uh, it's in response to Peter's faith in Jesus that Jesus empowers him with his spiritual authority. But Protestants believe that because of his faith in Jesus, anyone who, like Peter, places their faith in Jesus and recognizes Jesus for who he is can also be a rock on whom Jesus will entrust his authority and on whom he will build his church, not just with this one rock of Peter, but with many rocks. And that theology, not apostolic succession, that theology is known as the priesthood of all believers. That through following Jesus, Jesus' life can indwell and empower you to share his life through 
all believers, that all believers can share the life of Jesus together. And the church is built on that sharing of the life of Jesus by all believers. Simply put, in crude terms, the vision of Jesus is that people who recognize who he is would band together and function in a potluck kind of way, sharing the life of Jesus within us through a collective giving spirit. That's why a giving spirit matters so much, especially in a season like this, when we find ourselves reopening and relaunching and kind of replanting a, a, a church coming out of the pandemic. Because it's core to the heart of God. It's fundamental to the character of Jesus. It's the reason people can follow Jesus in the first place. And the manner in which Jesus wants to build and grow and develop his community of faith. And so the question for you and I and us together is, how do we get to that place where each of us and us together can actively live out a giving spirit again especially when the pandemic has been so hard for so many of us. We've talked in the last number of months about how, you know, for many of us, we're suffering and kind of recovering from some cocktail of trauma and grief and, and division and weariness and, and, you know, just wrestling with how to, how to kind of recover from the battle of the pandemic while leaping right back onto the treadmill of post-pandemic kind of everyday life, not that we're even out of it, without an extended season of recovery in between. We've talked about how, you know, for many of us, our, our instinct when we're struggling and when we're drowning, like a drowning person, is, you know, not to look to the interests of others, but rather to just be in survival mode and to look to ourselves, even if it means bringing others down because we're just trying to survive. And so it, it, it kind of makes us wonder how we're going to shift gears coming out of the pandemic, carrying all of this in many ways, unrecovered pain and struggle and heartbreak and immediately become this potluck meal of giving spirit that actively and fully lives out the priesthood of all believers. Well, outside of just naming that, I would say first things first, I'd want us to appreciate that a giving spirit and the vision of us living together as a priesthood of all believers is not something that we have to hunker down or muster up to develop ourselves. It's something that we ultimately receive from God himself. In Matthew chapter 10, it says this in verse 8, freely you have received, so freely give. Freely you have received, so freely give. The life and energy and capacity of Jesus that God intends us to share liberally with one another as a faith community is only something that we ultimately receive from him at first. And so that's why we feel like, especially in a season like this, the commitment to engage in spiritual practices is so important so that moment by moment, day by day, throughout our days and weeks, we are practicing the presence of God and learning to increasingly become good receivers from him. Bonus tangent, that's kind of why so many of the spiritual practices that we experiment with and expose you to in our Sunday morning gatherings feel maybe a little bit 
boring or maybe even awkward because in their stillness and in their silence and in their reflectiveness, you know, in the contemplation of them, they're intended deliberately to get us off the treadmill and off the rat race of the life that we're finding ourselves diving back into. They're intending to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from our lives in order to become increasingly good receivers of the life of Jesus himself so that we have something to share with each other and others in a potluck way. And when that happens, as we're learning to become good receivers of the life and love of Jesus, then we can make the commitments to living in a potluck way and embrace the practicalities of a giving spirit, which from my perspective would start with, first of all, giving your commitment. I think reclaiming a giving spirit means giving your commitment. Simply put, a giving spirit just shows up. A giving spirit just shows up. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10. It says in verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The way that we become this groundswell of giving love and energy and encouragement to one another is actually by being together. And there's a downward spiral that kind of develops the moment we think, oh, you know, this Sunday, it's probably going to feel better to sleep in or just to do some yard work or, you know, stay home or enjoy the outdoors. The same thing's true when we say, oh, you know, I'm kind of busy, gang. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bail on life group this week. You know what that does? Outside of robbing other people of the encouragement that you could provide, it kind of motivates others who are sort of equally busy to think, yeah, you know, I could, I could probably bail on life group too. Yeah, you know, because so-and-so's probably not going to be there this morning. I may as well sleep in as well. And down and down and down the spiral goes. But for us to re-embrace and reclaim the giving spirit of the priesthood of all believers requires us, first things first, to show up for one another. And then when we do, to actually be engaged in each other's world, to have each other on our radars, not just expecting the opposite from other people, to actively give people our attention. I think to reclaim a giving spirit requires giving our attention. You think about the golden rule, Jesus described it in Luke 6, 31, that says, do to others as you would have them do to you. Doesn't mean demand others do to you what you wish that they would do to you. It means you be the person who does to them what you wish they would do to you. And I know for some of us, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, having been kind of locked down and especially exclusively online for so long, Many of us have said that, you know, returning to things like life group or returning to short-term groups or returning to Sunday morning gatherings almost feels like we're now visitors in what was formerly our own church. And because of that, we can take sort of a visitor or guest mentality where we can kind of look to get our coffee and look to find our seat and hope that people will talk to us instead of claiming that 
posture of giving spirit that acts more as hosts than as guests and looks to exude hospitality to others, looks to cross the divide, to reach out, to welcome others, to get to know others and to connect with others and see how we can further connect with them. That's what a giving spirit does. It gives people attention. And then as it gives our attention and discovers the needs that other people have, it actually gives our investment to meet those needs. That's, I think, the third step is to reclaim a giving spirit by giving our investment and providing what we can to meet the needs of others. Again, we might think, how can we do that in the throes of a pandemic when we're struggling so much? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 1. It says, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Again, it's a matter of receiving from God, not having it all figured out and put together on our own. And more importantly, what I hope the verse inspires is a confidence that we can be a comfort and a support and an encouragement to others, even while we're struggling. We don't need to deal with all of our struggles and heartaches and recovery needs post-pandemic before we can be used by Jesus to share his life and love in a giving spirit kind of a way. And that's important to remember, especially when it comes to, I think, the, the, the most critical component of the giving spirit as a priesthood of all believers. That isn't just our commitment and our attention and our investment, but ultimately our resources, to pool our time and our talents and our treasures that are gifts from God entrusted for us to steward to one another and others together in a way that's better together than on our own. And specifically, when it comes to the resource that's most commonly the hardest to steward and the hardest to give away, that is our money. Look what it says again in Malachi chapter 310, where God says, bring your whole tithe, meaning that whole first portion of what I've entrusted to you, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, pool that all together so that there are resources for us to distribute. And he says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. You know, not in what's often referred to as a health and wealth gospel that says, oh, if you're generous, you know, God's going to automatically bless and prosper you in the ways that we might materialistically understand prosperity and blessing. But God does provide almost as a dare the opportunity for people who will have faith enough to be lavishly generous towards God and each other to experience the promise of his blessing and abundance in our lives, according to more of his definition of blessing and abundance maybe than ours. But regardless, that's the opportunity that we have in front of us. And that's the opportunity that we have experienced again and again and again over the history of the life of our community when we have galvanized together around a giving spirit. We haven't just experienced the character of God and the nature of Jesus and the response to the opportunity of faith and to experience the approach to how a church is intended to be built we've been able to experience the wonder of the blessing and vibrancy and abundance of God among us as we lavishly and generously give to God and to each other and others all that he's given to us. And so in this season, 
as we're kind of recovering from a pandemic, as we're transitioning out of that se of that season of lockdown and weariness and struggle and starting to kind of replant and relaunch, let's consider in each of our lives personally and in us together as a family, what it's going to take for us to reclaim that giving spirit so that personally and together we can be givers more than takers and maybe more importantly we can be receivers of the gifts god pours out in us and generously share that with one another in a potluck priesthood of all believers way Instead of just coming to a faith community to consume a product we expect to be provided by others that aren't ourselves. To give you a picture of what this looks like, we've got a few stories of people in our community that have been thrilled to contribute the best of what God has invested in them and are great examples of this giving spirit in our community today. As you hear their stories, consider what it would look like for you to embrace in that giving spirit in this season as well. Check these out. <laughs> 